Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. to roll and uh this week we're gonna be you know kicking it back to uh old school disruption slash isometric because uh it's time to talk about what everybody is playing i think if we're going old school steve should steve can you please give us an old school isometric (laughs) style introduction can you please do that this week okay hang on la 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 la. okay (laughs) (laughs) hi there welcome to I, oh, now I don't know if I should say isometric or disruption. I'll just say both. Yeah, this is the isometric section. <laughs> isometric <of> disruption. disruption. <laughs> I I am Steve Lumitz, and I am here as always with head of development at Giant Space Cat and uh, ruler of the universe, Brianna Wu. How you doing, Bri? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great, Steve. I feel really pumped up this week. I, the, so I just want to tell everyone out there, the reason we're doing this is because our second topic is we're going to be talking about all the terrible stuff that happened in the election this week. So we're going to start with a happy, awesome topic first. So I'm doing awesome, Steve Lubitz. Yep. We're eating dessert first today is what we're doing. I have no apocalypse exhaustion at all. <laughs> just saying that. Uh, and, and we're also here with uh, Queen of the Apocalypse and Slayer of Orcs and uh, Psychotherapist and Seer Editor and I'm Warren, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Georgia Dow, how are you doing, Georgia? Well, uh, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, not, you know, feeling old school. Oh, God. Please, please. We're not going to hear that that coin through the whole show, are we? I want to hear that coin through the whole show. Would I Would I do that? Yes, you absolutely yes. would. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone missed it. Come on, just say it. You guys missed it. You missed the coin. Let's see, see your editor at I'm Warren, The Taste of a New Generation, Micah Sargent. How you doing, Micah? <laughs> no. Yes. Uh, uh, I <laughs> will not comment on my taste. Would you like me to comment on your taste for you? Nope, nope, that's okay. We'll, we'll pass on that too. <laughs> Uh, but other than other than how I taste, I'm doing pretty doggone. No, I was good. talking about your taste in video games, not how you taste. Oh, okay. What are you, what are you, okay. What's wrong with you? Why are you, why are you making it weird? You said I was the taste of a new generation. Not yeah, that's like a reference the, to a Pepsi commercial from before you were born. Yeah, which Pepsi is? Uh, it, it is an inanimate, inanimate object that doesn't have a taste of its own, but it certainly has a taste. So I was uh, worried that you were confusing my my. <laughs> I, I don't not no not not going down that. No, oh, not, I'm glad I made it. it super awkward early in the show. That's fantastic. That's great. Look, That's great. So uh, before we happen? start, Georgia, I want your assurance that you're not going to play. Wait, Georgia, come on. <laughs> You can't. Georgia, you didn't even let Brie finish her sentence. That's horrible. That's horrible, Brie. I can't believe that you're doing that to me when I didn't actually do anything. There's, there's. I would never do that. I can't believe that you did that and pretended it was me. Just saying. (laughs) That's all. Brie, you should really stop that. 
I'll stop playing the Mario. Stop coining yourself. Stop coining yourself. How dare you, George Dow? Steve, we didn't get time to talk about this last week. Can we, can we talk about some games? Please, some please, games? anything yes. to stop Georgia from playing Mario sounds off Seriously. of her phone. Gosh, so unprofessional. Um, all right, so I have, I mean, can you start? Yeah. Well, you want to talk about Forza, Forza Horizon 3 first, right? Because yeah, that's what I want to talk about. I just wanted to let you introduce that so that okay. I can talk about Gears of War, and I get to talk about two games I love. So that's my strategy. <laughs> okay. You're cheating. That's called cheating. Okay, right. so you know how you're trying to get me to say positive <laughs> things about anything lately? Anything. 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 I, anything. I love Forza Horizon 3. Yes, I I yes. unconditionally yes. like love that game. It is oh. it is really 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 good. It is the it is a racing game that I have been waiting for for a really long time. I'm I'm bad at it and I don't care. Like it's <laughs> it it's kind of it's it does the thing that I've wanted a racing game to do for so long, which is kind of to be a middle ground between just the pure like chaos of like a burnout or a Mario Kart and just the overwhelming car guy overload of something like Gran Turismo. And and it does that really, really well. Well, I think the fact that you're not going around in a circle yeah, that <laughs> I think that helps that it's not just driving in an oval. I think that adds to the excitement somewhat. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, so I have to ask, like, what is it about it that you groove on? What are you, what are you really liking about Forza Horizon? Because for me, it's like, um, you know, they've got uh, Forza Base. Forza Base is a, um, it's a radio station that you listen to, and they've got Anna Leneau and uh, Alice in Wonderland, just wonderful tracks, and it gets me into this driving groove where I'm like zoned out with the best EDM ever made. And I'm like racing people and driving off road. It's just, I, I get into this flow where I just am in heaven and I don't know. I love it. Yeah. I, well, I've been toggling between the pulse and the vagrant records radio stations, depending on what All my right. mood is. All right. I, I do like me some churches. So, All right. um, I, I, at least one of those hopefully is halfway acceptable to you, but <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll let it pass. I'll let okay, it pass. Yes. fair enough. I like. I've always liked racing games. Like one of my best memories of gaming was when I first got onto Xbox Live. I was part of a gaming group, and we would just play Project Gotham Racing Two on the original Xbox for like hours. And we would right. we would go around like Nurburgring and just it, it didn't matter how we were doing. There was the feeling of a racing game that was just. Technical enough to be challenging, but not overwhelming. And that's mm-hmm. exactly how I feel about Forza Horizon. And there's just this kind of free feeling of just slamming on the accelerator and going like 150 miles an hour and zooming past cars and occasionally jumping over a, moving, a speeding train and right. not having like a huge penalty when you mess up. Like, so, so all of that's awesome. All yeah. of that's awesome. But the really so, Georgia, this is the reason you have to get Forza Horizon. You you must get it. Okay. And I don't even need you to play it for very long. Just fifteen <laughs> minutes. Because what happens is when you go play Forza Horizon, if you buy that game, there will be a Georgia Dow drive a tar. Oh, in the yes. game. And then Ooh. all that happens is like, I'm out there. So let me tell you the story. I'm like racing down this road. I'm like trying to beat my race. I've got the freaking best song on by the Thrill Kill Cult. I'm grooving out to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to win. And then boom, out of nowhere, 
drive a car Steve Lubitz runs me <laughs> off the road and makes me crash into a tree <laughs> and I lose my race. Which is funny because that's a, the exact experience I have whenever I see your car on the road. Yes. Yes. And then I'm like, from then on, I'm like, oh, he is on driving car Steve Lubitz. And then like, so Steve will pass me like when I'm going to some mission objective. And I'm like, oh, hell no, it's on. And then you flip the car around and then you are like trying to catch Steve Lubitz and challenge him to a race. And then you get to destroy Steve Lubitz. So what I'm saying is, Georgia, you need to be in on this chaos simulated world. We need you. So that so that now do I get my own theme music? Because if I was having like theme music for this, I'm not sure, but I'm I'm thinking. Oh, my God. Huh? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. It's not okay just because it's Sonic and not Mario, Georgia. It's not okay now. It's not okay. The other one was better. Was that okay? Oh, oh no. I'm just, it's like I'm, the Forza equivalent of It's High Noon, where when you hear It's High Noon in Overwatch, you yeah. just run for it because you yeah. know you're about to die. <laughs> so the Mario coin starts going off. You're like, oh, hell, it's Georgia Dow. Uh, I can imagine, like, <laughs> you know, you know how, like, the, the, the exhaust kind of pops every so often when you're at high speed? I yeah. can just imagine, yeah. like, Georgia modding that to have, like, a Mario coin go off instead of, like, the explosion yeah. sound every time that she backfires. Yeah. Hey, if I get a chance, <laughs> if I have any say in it, it's gonna happen. You probably there probably is like a a Mario themed car somewhere in there. In like the, some yeah. of the designs for those cars are beautiful. Like and I don't. Would it look like a mushroom? Because if it looks like a mushroom, I'm in. Or a turtle shell. Oh, I, that would be so cute. I think I sent you the picture of like there was like a Volkswagen Beetle or something like that that somebody had dressed up like Pikachu in the game, and it looks like Pikachu driving around. That's pretty cute. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, it's a fantastic game, and I love it. And drive a tar Steve Lubitz, I will have my revenge. Not you, Steve. <laughs> this is no. this is another drive a tar hey, Steve that, Lubitz. That guy is yeah. a jerk, and you you just do whatever you need to do to him because he's he's a menace. So I have to ask, so if I look at what my drive a tar settings are for drive a tar Space Cat Gal, like – it, it it judges the way you play, and then it like sets all these things. Like, are you a speed demon? Are you into control? And my driving type is hyper aggressive and crashes <laughs> into you. So my my question is like, have you experienced that when you're out driving? Oh yeah, like Brianna. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, good programming. Like, yeah. there's I your 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 drive avatar is in basically every street race that I do. Yes. And yes. without fail, your car is the one that is trying to drive me off the road at the expense <laughs> of her performance in the rest of the race. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 probably accurate. Yes. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> accurate. Now, this is um, how you this is how you drive on a daily basis too, right? Cuz doesn't it uh it keeps track of like your actual physical in real world <laughs> driving and mimics that? I, I will I say my Honda Accord is battle scarred. That's all I will say. It's, that was it's, just from our last battle in the isometric yeah. ga- days. True. That's true. That's true. I, I'll say it is a little bit dangerous getting in a real car after playing this game because you yes. kind of have to remind yourself for a second. I'm not playing the game and I actually can't just put the pedal to the metal and careen around corners in suburban Massachusetts. That is not a good well. idea outside of the game. Well, you it's can. because there's no difference in the mindset of a, a drive avatar and a Boston driver. Like, you know, it's exactly yeah. the same. So I find myself going like, yeah. I, I swear, this is not a joke. I'll be driving with Frank. I'll be like, ram that guy. Come on, ram him. <laughs> just, just ram him off the road. And he'll be like, Bree, stop saying that to me. I'm afraid I'm going to do that. And I'm like, oh. just just tell him, look, that guy's got a Red Sox, Red Sox decal on the back of his car. 
That's true. it. It's done. He deserves it. He deserves it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, my license plate says feminist in that game, and I just, I love it. It's so fantastic. Love that game. Uh, it's it's so good. It's it's way oh. better than I thought it was going to be. And Because I bought Forza Horizon 2 late, and I didn't really play it a whole lot. But this is, it's good even just to zone out for a few minutes and just drive around and try to set some, like, speed trap high scores or, yes. you know, find a couple people to street race against and it's just it's it's almost like relaxing in that way that there's no pressure and if and if you do screw up you can just rewind and try again which is one of the things that a lot of racing games like get frustrating when you're spending like 15 minutes in a race and then you miss you misjudge one turn and you have to start all over again and this makes it a lot easier just to be able to you just rewind that one turn take it again and then you're you're good to go for the rest of the race I saw a presentation at GDC about that, and that's one of the big innovations they had with the games. They kept playtesting racing games, and that pisses everyone off. So they added that uh, rewind feature. So I feel like I've talked a lot about Forza. So, Georgia, why don't you go next? Like, tell us about this awesome VR game that you're okay, playing. Okay, okay, okay. This is, this is a game that I thought would be horrible. Yeah, no, yeah. Twist my arm to talk about it. That was that was rough. I'm jumping in. Okay, so I thought this game would be horrible. It It, it sounds horrible. It sounds like it's not going to be any fun. Um, so there's a new game that everyone's talking about on VR, and it's called Plank. And so what you do... What'd you call me? <laughs> and this is not about that, like, you know, old trend of people planking, where you just stand, like, lay I flat. That. You heard about that? People lay flat on objects in strange places. It was... Anyways, it's not that. So this is a VR game where... You you take an elevator up. Now, I have a fear of heights, naturally. Um, my family members do not. And so we all tried this game. And so what you do is you take an elevator, and in VR, you go up to, like, really high up floor. Like, I don't know, 30, 30 stories or maybe 15 stories. Somewhere, it's high. And the elevator opens, and in front of you is a plank that you have to walk out on and it's just a plank, like a, a plank of wood. It's almost like, like a ship, but there's no water underneath. It's like death and, you know, demise if you fall out. <laughs> now, there's two reasons why this game is so much cooler than I'm making it sound. No, it sounds awful and terrifying. Is what <laughs> it, it sounds is, like. It is terrifying. Um, I, my family members were, like, screaming. So if you fall off the plank, your character actually falls in the game. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> wait, God. Georgia, wait, for that's... Like, oh, wait. No. Georgia, what are you doing? No, no, no. Wait, wait. It gets worse. <sighs> this game, you can take a plank of wood, a real plank of wood to walk on. Now, just wait. Just listen to me here. So we went outside and found, like, an old scrap piece of wood. You put it onto the floor. Oh. Then you take your Vive controllers and you put one on one end, one on the other end, and it measures where it is in space and oh. how long it is. And then after you've accepted that, you click it, and then you put it on the side so it notices the width of your plank that you've a- you actually have. So I have a physical plank on my floor, and it's measured that. So when you're on this game, you open up the doors of the elevator and you actually walk on a plank of wood. And if you fall off, your character like falls down 
Oh my god! And Everything then, about this sounds terrible. No, it this is, sounds great. This <laughs> oh is my god. such a real experience. Again, our visual cortex makes up most of our brain, so we really believe it. It was really disconcerting, but not horrifyingly bad. It's not like there's blood splatter or anything. It just goes gray once you hit the ground. Um, oh my god! <laughs> and then great. you restart. But the stepping on an actual plank. And some people have done something else that I haven't done yet, which is put a fan blowing at them so that uh, they feel wind. And the other person turns it on when they open up the elevator. So it feels like you're really there. You feel like you're really there. And this game, it's $8. It's a great experience. And then you have one more game in it where you fly. You fly like Superman, fly. And you can, like, there's little tiny side things of putting out fires and flying. That is also a really cool experience so if you're into experiential games it's eight bucks it's nothing to pay for and it's a really cool one when i show people the vive this is definitely one of the things that every time i'm going to have people try out because of how realistic it feels and i had my sister-in-law who's a neuropsychologist um try it out she's like ah this is probably not going to be that great no she was on these games for a really long time she is not a gamer so Bree, you definitely have to try this with Frank and videotape I, it. I will 100% buy this game, but I just want to do a little history lesson just so we're, we're caught up here. So first, you know, you're, you're all in on VR and you're like, oh, Bree, you know, just just you can have a PC. It's going to be easy. It's going to be $500. And you don't mention <laughs> that that's just your upgrades because you've already got a PC laying around. So I'm like, okay, I'll go do that. And I spend 1500 and you're like, oh, but Bree, the Oculus isn't enough. you got to go buy a Vive instead. And I'm like, Fine, I'm gonna buy the eight hundred dollar five, and now it's like every week you're like, "Bree, you gotta try this game." If fine, Georgia, you'll get my eight dollars. You you win again. Yeah, you, win you think again. it's eight dollars? Wait, disclaimer: okay. the plank is extra. Yes, you have to find a piece of wood. <laughs> and if you don't oh. get real walnut, you can do it without a plank. But no, this is the game. It's not the same experience. You have to try it once with a plank, and then I, I want to see video. I spent $200 this week on $200 on the new touch controllers. It just never ends. Like, you, you got me hooked. You're like, yeah. Don't listen to Georgia. It will, yeah. your wallet will just go bye-bye. It will, you'll be broke. <laughs> it sounds incredible though. Like that yeah. is the kind of stuff that super, super, super excites me. I love that kind of, cause I can remember, and sometimes I still do this kind of looking up different, what they call like body hacks. And it's where you will, uh, like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you lay on the ground and then someone uh, pulls up your arms behind you and starts oh, to move yes. them kind of in a circle oh. and you feel like you're floating and uh if you put your if you stand between a doorway and put your hands uh against the doorway and kind of push out then your arms will start to rise by themselves afterward all those kind of fun different little you know experiential things this is taking it to the next level and Mm -hmm. i think that's incredible and it sounds like so much fun i would love to you know swim with a whale and uh be flying and putting out fires and all that kind of stuff even more than shooting zombies that's my kind of deal 
Fantastic. Fantastic. So I'm going to tell you about Gears of War quickly, and then we're going to get to uh, the apocalypse. <laughs> we'll talk about that. So, okay, one of the very reasons I married Frank is because he wasn't like, yeah, you know, he wasn't a bro, right? He doesn't have a, like a truck and a gun rack and like a red cap. And <laughs> he a does Donald want Trump a tank, sign. though. He does, but the thing I love about Frank is his, uh, you know, his manliness is from very much a, a boyish exuberance kind of place, right? Like, he wants a tank just because driving a tank would be fun, not because, like, he's so inadequate he needs a power fantasy, right? Right, so, right. So, um, I was shocked, 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 shocked when I was studying Unreal Engine, when I first started wanting to learn it. I went out and bought Gears of War 3 because I'm like, well, I need to see games made with the Unreal Engine. And Frank sucks at Call of Duty. He can barely beat Mario <laughs> level 1-1. And I was just... It's a hard level. It's a hard level. Right. And I was stunned to see how beyond freakishly addicted he got to Gears of War 3. And to this day, like, he will come home and he will just drop everything and he'll grab a bag of Cheetos and he'll just sit down on the couch and be like, it's Gears of War time. And he will sit there for two or three hours <laughs> killing monsters. And it is oh so... God. I can't even justify it in my mind because this is a man that I I could show you a tape of him trying to beat Mario level 1-1 and he doesn't understand the concept of how long you hold the button is how high you jump. Right. Yet at the same time, he will make two players in a Gears of War horde mode, set it to insanity, not invite any other teammates and like we'll have one controller and run him to the turret and shoot and then put down the other controller and like run and do an ammo pass and Whoa. like he's so freakishly good at it. Whoa. So when Gears of War 4 came out, I'm like, well, there goes my marriage. There goes my marriage. And this is all I've been doing is playing this game. It's really, really, really good. It's a huge step up from the last good Gears of War uh, game, which was Gears of War 3. Um, if you listen to Dis Disruption and you play it, please friend me. I want good players to play Horde Mode with because the Xbox Live people suck. But it's so <laughs> awesome to me to play this game and consistently Consistently, I am the number one player in the game when I play it because I've spent so much time playing with Frank. So, yeah, uh, this is a fantastic game. So, is so have we figured out like why these skills like don't translate to any other video game for him? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's because you kill monsters, and he loves that. I I don't understand, Steve. Don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't now, ask. how don't complex know. are the controllers? Like, how complex are the controls for this game in comparison? Because Mario's is just one button. That's the thing. It's dual joystick, like R-Trigger. Ah. Like, Reload is a mini game. Like, why does something? You have to buy things. You have to level up a class. And he's freakishly good at it. Just, huh. it, it's, it's bizarre. So, yeah. Uh, maybe it's like a timing thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so. maybe he's been holding out on you all this time, and he only lets it out for <laughs> Gears of War. Yeah, maybe he's been playing with a handicap just so that then he can get you in Gears of War because you you don't expect it. Like That's he's he's yes. often like Smash Brothers fight nights, like down at the game store, and when you're not looking, and he's just like winning <laughs> tournaments and stuff like that. That's it. That's it. That's it. I bet that's well, what's my, happening. My feeling is the marriage that slays together stays together. <laughs> so Ooh, you like know, I yeah. I make time to play Gears of War for my marriage. You know, yeah. right? Like it's important. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It's <laughs> funny because you say that kind of tongue in cheek, but you're absolutely right. Playing a game together. And when you have that kind of like just, it's such a cool feeling. 
Mm-hmm. No, I'm being completely serious. Like yeah. it's one of the few games with a uh, local co-op on the couch, and it's just amazing. It's, and it's oh, even so good. it's even more amazing to like see you know gamer tags like Butt Slayer ninety two <laughs> have that there, <laughs> and then to just do so much better than these teenagers that are playing it. So oh, yeah. I love that feeling. That's I love that best. feeling. I love that feeling about being a team. I love that. That's like my favorite feeling of when you can play with your mate and you're like just rocking it out together yeah it's really bonding for me yeah i agree i agree so we want to talk about some serious stuff hang on before we do that i have one one other game to talk about and i'm only talking about it in because we may need this to come back to after talking about what we're talking about so i I got (laughs) this this game called i got this game called 100 foot robot golf which is it's a VR a PSVR launch title, but it it plays without PSVR. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because you, you so you play golf with these different robots who the whole thing is that they walk from hole to hole and they knock down like the terrain between so you can like knock a building out of the way in order to get a better shot at the hole and stuff like that. But there's one of the robots is basically uh, Voltron made out of corgis, <gasps> and the corgis are actually the pilots. So it's like five five dogs driving five oh. robots that turn into robot Voltron and then start hitting a golf ball across the moon. Is that one wearing a uh, don't bite collar? Yeah, like the a, cone a, of a shame. Yes, the cone of shame. That's adorable. Wow. No. So that's all I wanted to say about this game because I feel like we might need these two pictures to come back to after what we're talking about. No, that's I all. agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, those are very positive. Um, as for me, I was going to make a joke that uh, I am playing uh, Netflix. <laughs> uh, you get achievements on the Xbox for that, you know. Really? Yeah. I should uh, I should link that up then. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, playing uh Star Trek on Netflix. And you know what? I, what? What's happening here is I am protesting my non-VR life until the day that I can finally join the VR ranks. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, until that time, I'll just uh, keep watching Star Trek and all that jazz. So before we... Uh, Before we get into the apocalypse, I want to tell you all about our friends at Linode. Now, remember, it's Linode, not Linode. Don't mispronounce it. This episode is brought to you by them. A combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute, and that is not any sort of example. Exaggeration. That's the real deal. Under a minute, with plans starting at just 10 bucks a month, which will now get you two gigabytes of RAM. You're going to be able to choose your resources, your Linux distro, and node location right from the manager tool. And once you're up and running, you can easily deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. Now listen to this. Linode has over 400,000 customers, and they're all serviced by its friendly 24-7 support team. And guess what? They're even open on holidays, so if you got something that comes up, they're going to be there for you. Linode is really committed to improving its infrastructure after it made some updates. Its latest Unix benchmark showed a 300% performance increase. 300%. That's incredible. 
we thought this thing only went up to 10 or 11. Nah, this goes up to 300%. Linode is the full package for your server infrastructure needs, and they've got the power you require as well as the infrastructure and assistance you want. So listen, as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash disruption, you're not only going to be supporting all of us here, but you're also going to get $20 towards any Linode plan. And I remind you, plans start at $10 a month. You're going to get $20 towards these plans. That sounds like some good math. With a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. You can get your money back if you decide you don't need it. So go to linode.com slash disruption to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or, you know, you can just use the, the promo code disruption20 at checkout. So I want to thank Linode so much for supporting our show and supporting this network, Relay FM. Okay. Um, yeah. <sighs> you look i don't know like it just it's bad um if you've been anywhere near any sort of uh news service or internet dissemination device then you know donald trump is more of a monster than we ever th- like knew him to be many many women have come out accusing Donald Trump of sexual assault. Uh, In fact, if you are to type in Donald Trump sexual assault, you will come across 10, 12, 15 different articles that are just a running list of the women who've accused Donald Trump of sexual assault. There are many women accusing him, and he is responding to each of them by saying that, you know, the campaign is saying it's absolutely false. It's not true. He's threatening to uh, sue these individuals. It's it's a nightmare. Um, of course, this this really all started to kind of uh, fester uh, when a video came out of Trump on a bus uh, for Access Hollywood. And he was saying some very terrible things, talking about how as a celebrity, he could take advantage of women and grab them by the grab them by the pussy and uh steve you can bleep that out but um i, I think it's important i, I mean that we've we heard just... it enough on national news this past week that we could probably leave it in yeah uh i mean that's that's what it is he's he's saying these deplorable things and um he's you know he was he was confronted about it during the debate and he basically said that it didn't happen and said that it was not important and you know he's he it's it's just a nightmare i i don't know uh let's let's get into it let's let's talk about this all canadians are like what in the world is happening almost like it's like a bad dream of our neighbors are like doing this this is, but we felt this way before all of this stuff came out. We were like, I don't even understand. There's been um, people that have gone to campuses asking about, you know, how they feel about, you know, Donald Trump and what's been happening. And everyone is in shock. This is almost like, like we're in bizarro world that, that someone who has claimed that he like actually boasted about assaulting women, sexual assault upon women, boasting about it, bragging about it. And then people can defend that and say, oh, well, he didn't really mean that. He was just saying it to brag or the horrible thought of this is just locker room talk. And saying that that's okay and defending that is not just abhorrent. I, this is what we are teaching our children of. This is the highest office. This is 
something that we are people should aspire to become like and that this is not only allowed but in some cases upheld as oh well you know he's not trying to be pope that this is okay there there are no words that can explain how here it's we're in absolute shock that this is even happening it's it seems like this could not even be possible this has not been stopped that this was allowed to get this far yeah yeah I, I can say for me, I mean, Georgia, in your in your personal life, I mean, be honest, how many women friends do you have that have stories of sexual assault? Because I think it's more common than men really have any idea about. I mean, it's, I, I, yeah. it, it's common, right? It's not it's just really common. common. I don't know of, of, there's almost no women that have not been grabbed, groped. Absolutely, yeah. um, tried to be made out with, kissed without the appropriateness, gawked at. I don't know if there's almost any woman that reaches the age of maturity um, that has not had an incident that they did not want put upon them. That is not, and I'm not just saying cat calls. I'm not talking about calling for words and doing that. I mean, touched, groped, caressed, um, you know, touched, pulled into a, a room, like, like all of those types of things, it's it's one in four women are, are sexually assaulted to be groped, touched inappropriately, or more. One in four. And that's one in four reported, by the way. Right. And, you know, I'm talking about friends that have lasting trauma from this stuff. So I I think there there are a lot of different levels to unpack here. You know, as of um this morning when I looked, there were ten separate women that come forward. Fifteen and I hear now. By 15 the Fifteen now. Okay. Fifteen women from credible news outlets that understand the liability of getting it wrong. They had gone through, checked out these stories, and found these them credible enough to run of this person coming forward and just putting himself on women. There was a woman that was on an airplane with him and he just was on her like an octopus, putting his hand up her skirt and fondling her. Um, And there's so many levels to unpack here. And, you know, I think what hurts me and terrifies me the most is seeing just how many men in my life and in my career that I know that don't understand that what Trump did was sexual assault. Um, There's a game that we've talked about a lot on the show, guys. And I had a woman friend of mine uh, DM me some pictures this week of an IM conversation she had with um, one of the the PR spokespeople for this game, Mm. someone that's on TV a lot talking about this game. Um, where he's denying that what Trump did and said counts as sexual assault. And that's very common. And it is so terrifying to not just have this minimized in a presidential election, but to understand just how many people out there um, don't understand that this behavior scars and damages women in ways that end them on Georgia's couch. And it's it's so incredibly serious. And you see the news media dancing around, calling it sexual mm-hmm. assault. 
Um, you have the minimizing, you have the victims going on trial. But even despite all of that, I want to tell you what, the, the part of this that freaked me out the most is if you watch the tape that kind of sparked this whole thing, you know, you see Billy Bush and, and, and Donald Trump having this 10 out of 10 disgusting conversation in a bus talking about grabbing a woman by the pussy, forcing himself on her, gra- bragging about it. And then the most terrifying part, mm-hmm. and I'd love to know mm-hmm. if you agree with this, George, is when mm-hmm. they get off the bus. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. Sh- this it. is a woman that's there and mm-hmm. she's doing her job and she's there as a professional at the top of her field. And, but, and Billy Bush says things like, you know, give <sighs> Donald a kiss or a hug or whatever yeah. it was. Give him, give her and a then, hug. Give him a hug. Yeah. Uh, you and are so right. Oh, I cringe oh, yeah. that he. Uh, I'll let you speak. Sorry, I'm go. No, go, go no, ahead. please do. Please it, go ahead. Now that come back. part yeah. where it was almost like he was, and this is my opinion, but it felt to me that was I like he was feeding her to him, like he knows that this person says that he does demeaning things, assaults women, will grope them, will kiss them, and says that he might do this. And then when Bully Bush says, you know, go, why don't you give him a hug? And then the part, like, if you had to pick which of the ones you date, which would you do? And Georgia, I know this has happened to me. Have, how many times have you been in a professionally, a professional situation with a colleague or something like that? And someone has said something so wildly sexually inappropriate that your mind is just racing to try to figure out what to say or do to just deflect it. And she does deflect it in a way that I just, I was sitting there saluting. I thought it was so skillful. I'm like, there's a woman that is, deals with this crap a lot, but it is so terrifying to see just the obliviousness of these two men in doing that. I mean, do you agree? Yes. And how we, we sit by and, and laugh it off and, and let this happen. And it was just so demeaning. Like, also, this is someone that the the woman that they were speaking about beforehand is one of his colleagues yeah. that worked for the same place. And they're, they're speaking and laughing about it. And now Billy Bush is coming out saying that um, he would have been fired if he had um, admonished Trump for what he was saying. And then you go, well, then why did he egg him on? And why did he put that woman in this very horrible, demeaning situation of saying, hug him? And who would you like? He was promoting it afterwards. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say I've been in that position early in my career like not not to that level clearly but where people were saying you know inappropriate things and you kind of it's there there are people who it's not you know when you're like a junior programmer starting out it's not a good idea to to correct but there's a difference between playing along and actively participating and you could tell that the difference was there where he was actively participating and joining in and and mm-hmm. especially asking her to give him a hug after that whole conversation oh. there's no way that there's no way that he's just playing along because he couldn't because he would have been fired otherwise there's a difference there between mm-hmm. what the bare minimum that you do because you're protecting your job even though it's uncomfortable and when you're you know right up with him and getting getting into it with him and participating on the same level and that that's what he was doing he was putting her in danger and treating yeah. her 
like Absolutely. subhuman in that moment. Yeah, I mean, referring to her like that and it, like that's, oh, yeah. And and what gets me further is, you know, you saw, and I'm not trying to make this a partisan thing, guys. Like this, what we're talking about right now is nothing to do with the Republican or Democrat. But a lot of the Republicans' reaction to it was, I have a daughter, I have a daughter, I have a daughter, I have a daughter, I have a daughter. And it is so disturbing to me that the only way you can get some men to care about half of the population is to see them through that lens. And it's just so demeaning and it's so harmful. And, you know, Steve, you're you're saying something, and I'm not trying to give you pushback here, but it's like what I find amazing, what I genuinely find amazing is um, take Patrick Klepek in my industry. You know, Patrick Klepek does probably a hundredth of what a lot of women I knew, know do for speaking up for women in the field. Um, he writes a few articles, says a few things, and he's considered a god on diversity for doing this much. And you have women that put everything on the line, sleep, sanity, security, and we're labeled difficult, we're labeled emotional, we are labeled volatile, you know, we have our careers harmed. We have to deal with the psychological blowback from, like, you know, being having Gamergate happen. Like, that's not just me. That's something that's happened to a lot of women. So I don't understand. And, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Sure. But, like, why do guys not say something when that comes up? Like, don't you understand you're talking about rape? Because... You should, I well, think. I, what the, the conversations I've been a part of have never been that to okay, that level. Okay, sure, no, I'm sure, talking about right. what would what would even be like locker room talk. Like that is okay. not locker room talk. But like right. like you know that that's de- demeaning, but not like assault. Sure. Like that that's the kind of conversation I'm talking about. Like if that was assault, that's a different. Okay, that's a sure. different level, though. You know, when I was 23 years old, I don't know that I would have that I would have said anything anyway, just because it's a matter of putting a target on yourself to some extent. You know what I mean? Like, especially like if you're, if you're going all the way back to high school, then it's literally putting a target on yourself because the people that would be saying those types of things are the kind of people who would be uh, also leaving you with a bloody nose. If you're, if you're lucky at the end of the day, Um, you know, and, and generally the people who are comfortable enough to say that in like a corporate environment would be, um, it would be high up enough that you wouldn't want to necessarily be challenging them as a 23, 24-year-old. I'm lucky okay. that, you know, the environment that I'm in now is, like, way – wouldn't even tolerate, like, a millionth of that. Yeah. I, I guess I guess the only other thing that I, I just – based on, like, the reactions to this is that, like, I remember when I was in college and that was the time when there was a lot of the the, the myth that a woman would cry rape. You know, and that, you know, anything that wasn't explicit consent could get you, you know, thrown into court or something like that. And that was never a concern for me. But I know that that was kind of like the general mythology. And now I think I kind of understand why that mythology was going around. And I assume it I don't know what it's like in college now. I assume it probably still is among some some groups of people. If you just legitimately think that that kind of language is okay then I could absolutely see not seeing the difference between consent and not consent and getting 
you know, getting yourself thrown into court because you stepped over a line that you didn't see because you didn't acknowledge that that line was was even there. And that I guess that's all I wanted to say about that. But that's just it it made that really clear to me, knowing what what that kind of environment was when I was when I was, you know, going through college and stuff. Yeah. When when it comes to stuff like this, for some reason, you know, with a lot of things uh, with, I don't know, what, what, again, with so much stuff, I can just um, to kind of process it, especially if it's if it's attacks hurled at me or something like that. These are things that I can process and and work through. But for some reason, I get like an inhibition free rage when I see. Uh, when I hear uh, women being mistreated or I see these kinds of situations. So, you know, I guess contrary to what you were saying uh, and and perhaps inadvisable in terms of uh, career and professional or even uh, personal life, for some reason for me, every time someone who I knew would say even the slightest terrible thing, I just, I, I, I get those rage tears and I'm... I confront them about it. I do not, I can't, I can't put up with, I can't accept people uh, treating women as less than anybody else and talking about them in deplorable ways that make them not human and objects instead. Uh, And so for me, there probably were times where it would have been better in the sense of, of, I guess, pragmatism. I don't know. Better in this, in that sense, to to keep quiet. But I, I'm just unable to whenever it comes to those kinds of things because it just sets me off. And I, I, I it's Bree. You mentioned this earlier. The part where they come off of the bus, yeah, and. Mm-hmm. That's when my rage tears set in That's because the, the, the yeah. pride mm-hmm. and the, the just disgusting smile on both of their faces yeah. and then talking about stand between us and you're such a perfect, you know, you look so great in between us. And uh, what do you think of that? No, I just lost it. It's just it's it's terrible. And then I'll be honest with you. I used to spend, because I was a a journalist who covered all sorts of news and ended up having to write breaking news stories about people dying a lot of the time, I, uh, having the new job that I have, I don't have to pay that much attention to the day-to-day news. And so I have given myself that, that blessing or that, that privilege, I guess. And in doing so, I have not paid a whole bunch of attention to this election because for me, once it came down to these two candidates, I already knew who I was going to be elect or, you know, voting for because there, yeah, it just makes sense. And so I have not watched a lot of the debates because I'm not an undecided voter. And I, you know, this again, for me, I, I found no need to do so. However, after watching that tape and listening to that tape, I was wanting to see how they were going to drag him on the air. And uh, again, the rage tears set in with the way that Trump deflected the the question that was posed and tried to turn it around and make it about Hillary Clinton's history and the the actions of her husband. I can't believe that. That's just it's so low and it's so terrible and. He is just every single thing that is that is bad about uh, male culture in particular. And, you know, I saw a post that talked about how it's 
these ideas of this being locker room talk that leads to young men thinking that it's acceptable to uh, take a to to uh, sexually assault a woman who is not in a place where she can choose consensual sex. So, Georgia, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, as a as a psychologist, can you tell me a little bit about like hypothetically, let's say, you know, I'm a woman and this happens to me, you know, um, you you get sexually assaulted by someone. Can you talk a little bit about what that does to the person, like psychologically? Like, can you talk a little bit about the aftermath? Because I really think there's, I think there's a misconception that like a guy being that attracted to you is something of a compliment from seeing some of my male colleagues discuss this. Yeah. Well, the first thing is it's not these type of acts are about power, about yeah. taking yeah. something that isn't yours. It's it's not it's not about sexual attraction. It's about control, and so um, often, like the first things are shock, and then shame, and guilt, and women often feel that they must have done something because that's what they've been told to bring that on, and. Then there's embarrassment and it wrecks your feeling of self-esteem and safety in the world and your place in that and you feel very small and it's, it's humiliating. And so a lot of people say that when women have come out about talking about this, that they want their 15 minutes of fame. And I don't know a woman who exists on this planet that wants their 15 minutes of fame to be about being sexually assaulted. That, that statement, like that, that has happened never to want to, to do that. And I'm not saying that there's never been cases of women that have falsely claimed things. There's cases of that that happen for anything. People can lie. But by and large, by a great preponderance no one, especially to something that will be so visceral and knowing the amount of backlash that you will receive from this would ever want to come out to talk about this because you will be painted by this forever, forever. People are going to see you, know who you are because these women have come out publicly And they're going to go everywhere, and they know for the rest of their lives, people are going to be whispering, looking, and seeing that you are the woman, and you feel like you weren't strong enough. Why didn't you fight back? Why didn't you do something? You know, why didn't you report that? Like, the amount of um, blame, victim blaming that happens to women that do this, and there's a whole psychology to why that happens as well. It's a weight that I don't think that that many people can, can happen. Like, I thought to myself, if this had happened to me, versus Donald Trump, would I be strong enough to stand up? Would I be angry enough to stand up? Would I be able to handle that? And then what would my life be like? I'm like, oh, the courage that it must take to be able to do that. It's astronomical. Yeah. 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 I I guess I would say this, you know, you know, for me, the way I feel, like Georgia, you're talking about the way it feels in Canada, and maybe this is a good note to end on. Um, you know, when I went to Canada a few months ago, 
um, and gone there in a few weeks, like all I heard was from Canadians that were shocked by this, just begging us to do something about this election. And I had a woman that's an elected official in your country sit down. We had dinner. She told me, please do anything you can to make sure this this happens. And, you know, I've got so much stuff to do. I've got a book deal and trying to work on. And I've spent so much time working on this election. I, I've driven up to New Hampshire. I've written articles about it. Um, it just, I'm really trying to do everything I can for this election. And I know it's almost a truism at this point, but I think that, you know, this is the time where just believing in something isn't enough. And I also think just voting isn't enough. I think you need to donate money. I think you need to, on election day, if you have a car, I think we need you driving people around. You know, we need people doing phone bank work because mm -hmm. this is, this has damaged our country and our political discourse in yeah. almost incalculable yes. ways. Yes, you're so and the right, only. Bri and the only way to bring this back mm -hmm. isn't just to vote for one candidate or the other. We've got to really soundly, overwhelmingly come together and defeat this kind of person. And it's at this point, it's really not even about party. It's about mm -hmm. our country. Mm -hmm. So um, I, that, I guess that's where I'd leave it. Yeah, I, and I know you said you wanted to end there, but I there is one more note that I want to make because this literally just came up today and it was a little – it wasn't eye-opening so much as just uh, the it is the case. So, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about how now Donald Trump is not going to become president. There's no way he could be president and he's never going to be president now and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, don't – make that the reason that you don't get out and vote. Don't make that the reason that you don't uh, encourage your friends to get registered. Don't make that the reason that you don't choose to to stump. You should still do all of those things. You should still vote and you should still make sure that everyone you care about does that as well. That is, it's not a time to sit at home just because we think that uh, Donald Trump has done enough to, to lose the vote. This, it's not an excuse. You still have to please get out and vote. And I think that a lot of times, if we aren't careful, we can find ourselves in this, in a bubble. And, you know, I'm, I've been seeing all of this stuff happen. And even some of my family members who I would generally not be against someone uh, who's conservative and Republican have kind of uh, flipped the script. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is good. You know, more people are realizing this. Well, I had to uh, drop off my vehicle my Dodge Stratus today uh, to get it serviced. And I was taking a shuttle back from the place where my car was dropped off. And it was just me and this person driving. And this person driving somehow in some terrible way, we, we got to the election and they were encouraging me to hurry and get ammo and pick up uh, guns before the election because things are about to get crazy. And I'm quoting. Uh, and you you got to get a gun before they take him away and do all this other stuff. And I'm just sitting in the car, uh, not, not knowing what to do because of the only person in there and they're driving me to my house. Um, so my point is there are still loads of people out there who 
aren't going to care what happens. Their rights are more important than those of so many people and will still choose to vote uh, for this person despite all of that. So please don't let this be an excuse to not get out and vote. Still do that and please encourage everyone else to vote around you. All right, we need to talk about our dear friends at Hired. Remember, this is the company that pays you to get hired. I still am blown away by that. Searching for a new job can be incredibly stressful. It can be scary, and it can be time-consuming. Pushy recruiters are trying to sell you on roles that you don't actually want, and job boards kind of make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. Sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary offer or company culture just doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, Hired is the world's most intelligent talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. They make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired actually puts you in control of when and how you can connect with compelling new opportunities. After you complete one simple application, top employers are apply to Hired hire you. Let me say that again. Employers apply to hire you. On Hired, you receive personalized interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about which opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to 4,000 plus innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. Your privacy and autonomy, which is very important in your job search, is of utmost importance to Hired, and that's why it hides your profile from your current and past employers. So if you're still on a job and you're needing to get out of it, it's okay. Uh, the best part is it's always free for you to find your next job on Hired. No exceptions. Free to find your next job on Hired. They pay you to get hired. You can earn double the normal $1,000 hiring bonus. Let's see. What is that? $2,000 by signing up at Hired.com slash disruption. That's right. Earn $2,000 for finding your next chapter on Hired. Thank you so much to Hired for their support of this show and Relay F. M. Okay, so Bree, do you want to do you have one more thing you wanted to say before? Yeah, let me just say this really quickly. We didn't give people an action item. Um, so look, if you want to get involved, if you want to get out there, do things, this is how you're going to, you can do this. And we'll put this in our show notes. So the first thing to do is to make sure you're registered to vote. Now, two days ago, uh, 12 different states closed. You know, Go to IWillVote.com. Register yourself to vote. Get your family members, your friends, anyone you can if voting is still open in your state. Second thing you need to do is volunteer. It is not an exaggeration to say Barack Obama won certain states in 2008 because of the ground game. The ground game is huge. And I'm telling you guys, I care enough. I got I, I go, I help phone bank, I help go door-to-door in Canvas. You know, if you don't like talking to people in person, you can do it on the phone. They will even have you doing data entry. And this isn't just about Hillary's race. This is about making sure she can actually do stuff as president to solve some of the huge issues that we have. So get out there, go to hillaryclinton.com forward slash volunteer. They will get you working in this election. And the last thing you can do is you can donate. You can go to hillaryclinton.com and donate. Um, and, you know, I do it every single uh, week. You know, I do Bernie Sanders got $27. So once it was the time to do this, I gave Hillary Clinton $27 a week. So, you know, 
there's my favorite Meg Cabot novel talks about for people that are awake enough to understand, you know, that these are real issues. We have a responsibility to go out there and make a difference. And most people just don't. So I'm really asking you, get out there, help us win this, you know, help us send a message that America is not about, you know, electing a a sexual predator as president. Yeah. And one of the things that I've been reading is that the the degree of how much Hillary wins matters as much as Absolutely. whether the fact that she matters or whether whether she wins or not. Like yeah. it's if it's a close vote, then it could be kind of written off as a you know just a as a as a squeaker. But if it's an overwhelming majority repudiating this kind of nominee, then it does send a message to politicians going forward. It's so, it's about yeah. us being able to do stuff on global warming. How about addressing sexual violence? Like bills on that. I would like to get that you know passed. So, you know, we uh, this isn't a political show, so we'll leave it there. But it's really really important we get out there and make this happen. Thanks for that. Yep. And um, I'll encourage everyone to go look at our pictures of Puppy Voltron to uh, <laughs> to, to eye wash to to, uh, to to cleanse the palate before we we move into the questions. Just to uh, you know to to get us into that frame of mind. But we do have some questions that we do want to answer uh, from the listeners. So. Um, first of all, we have a question from uh, Dan who says, uh, hey there, Disrupticons. For years now, I've noticed whenever I'm in a large crowd of excited people, I often start crying. These tears aren't accompanied by any negative feelings, and I've always chalked it up to getting caught up in the moment. But I'm wondering if this, if this phenomenon happens to have an actual name. If I can name it, I think it'll help me feel better the next time I take my daughter to Disney on ice and spend a good portion of the event subtly wiping away my tears, hoping the other parents around me don't think I'm a weirdo. For what it's worth, the exact type of event or audience demographics don't seem to matter. I've had this happen at large corporate functions, kids' events, and concerts. The only common theme seems to be the presence of a large, excited crowd. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there's an actual name for that. It's it's really common, though. Um, We... We can go through that for feelings of just being overwhelmed, for happiness, for momentous occasions. Some people also do, as Micah was talking about, the rage tears. Like you can cry also from being angry. And so it's, this is not something that's only from sadness. We, we can go through an uh, adrenaline response from many different actions. And they're great. That means that you're able to you know, feel something and feel it so deeply. Almost every time when I give a speech, something I'm going to, like I cry at commercials and stuff too. So I'm an exceptionally emotional person and I often cry from happiness as well. So you are not alone. There's nothing wrong with that. And um, welcome to the group of people that <laughs> get really emotional and feel things. And that's lovely. So I, I say, you know, I, I get, I, I cry from being overwhelmed and, and feeling something very deeply. And so hopefully you can uh, wear those tears with pride. Dan, mad respect. I am the exact same way. So you're not alone. I, I will cry at almost anything, yes. including large groups of excited people yes. or movies yes. or when so, like uh, a dad reaches out and touches his son's hand in a movie or something. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. So yeah. even like a puppy walking down the street that just looks so through it's whatever it happens to be. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, tears, whatever. I'm, I just I get uh, the emotions and it's it's 
it's a good thing, right? <laughs> I've talked pretty openly on the show about you know, my own trauma therapy. Uh, so like this week, I had a, a two hour EMDR session. And I don't know, it's it's there's so much unconscious stuff that's going on with the way the, the mind works. And we are all so complicated psychologically. And I think there's a real tendency to like judge yourself really harshly for anything you do wrong or worry if you're weird. And it's like the human mind, man, is complicated stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, just accept it. But if it's causing, if this is causing you difficulty, um, you know, it might be worth exploring with a therapist about what's behind it. Um, you know, the way I try to see therapy every week is, you know, it's an investment in myself. A lot of us get to a point where we can function. And, you know, I'm a pretty high-functioning person. But I think going beyond that, where we can really, really discover who we are on a fundamental level, I think it's a gift that, like, if you can have that for yourself in your lifetime, like, it's it's worth doing it. So I think if you cared enough to write this letter to us today, maybe ask yourself what that's about. Yeah. Um, so we also have an email from Frank who has a question for Micah. Um, so he said, Micah, Me? Micah mentioned marrying the man he loves one day. Um, I would love to hear him elaborate in more detail about uh, when those wedding bells will be ringing for him and Shane. I just recently proposed to my boyfriend of eight years. Even though it was something we always talked about and assumed, it didn't start to feel real until I finally proposed. With the two of us being Latino, there's a lot of shame with being gay, especially since he's Mexican. I'm Spanish-Italian. So I gave him time to come to terms with it and told him to propose when he was ready. As I said earlier, I ended up proposing seven years later. I'd never been happier. I would just like to know if something similar is holding Micah back or if he and Shane have just decided they aren't getting ready to get married yet. Hopefully this isn't too personal. Love you all. First of all, hi, Frank. Thanks for, uh, you know, reaching out on the regular and liking Instagram photos and things like that. Um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, so for, for Shane and I, um, you know, we've, we'll be together four years come this January. Um, so, you know, it's not a terribly long, long, long relationship, but it's, it's on the longer side. And, uh, right now, I mean, we, we are happy where we are and we have been talking about, uh, marriage since before the Supreme court said it was okay for us to be able to do that anywhere. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, marriage especially wedding in particular, uh, can end up taking, uh, it's a lot of, uh, financial responsibility that's involved there. It's, it, it, it can be costly and it's important to both of us. We're both family oriented and it's important to both of us to have our families there and uh, be able to celebrate that day with us. And Shane and I always joked, but it's totally completely true that, uh, we don't want to actually have a wedding until we can afford an open bar because both of our families are a little awkward and can use some social lubrication so that they can be out on the dance floor with all of us. And like, that is my biggest desire and wish in all the world is that I can see my mom and Shane's mom out on the dance floor with us just having the time of our lives. Um, we are, you know, we're super comfortable with, with our relationship at the point, And, uh, it does feel real to us, uh, even without those rings on our fingers. And for some, it's not that way for others. It is. And, you know, too, there are people who do feel some guilt surrounding not uh, getting married. And I just want to say like, if that is something that you're experiencing, please know that, uh, no one, 
no one worth your time is holding it against you that you've chosen not to get married or you're not ready to do it yet or what have you. Uh, the time is right when the time is right. And I think that uh, it's awesome regardless just to, to maintain a relationship and to, to keep it uh, growing and getting better. Uh, lastly, I want to say congratulations, Frank. That's fantastic. I'm so excited for the two of you. And uh, I hope that your wedding is beautiful and wonderful and fantastic and everything that you hope it'll be. Hopefully that answered the question. Congrats. Yay. Okay. So now we have, we have one more question uh, from anonymous who says, I'm considering a career in business intelligence. Are there particular degrees, certifications, programming languages, or skills Steve recommends training up on? Um, So I'll tell you that the first thing you're going to want is a very black soul. Uh, <laughs> wait, Steve, before you start, yeah. can you tell our listeners what business intelligence is? Because I have no idea Including what you're me. talking about. Right. Sorry. Yeah. So, so business intelligence is what I do for a job. So it's basically all of the um, all the support to crunch data and uh, make it make it consistent and collect it and get it into a data warehouse and then be able to uh, facilitate ma- making business users be able to build reports off of it. See, I had a picture in my mind of you being the James Bond of Big Shoe, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and like you're throwing explosive shoes and sneaking into Adidas and, you know, like hacking Adidas <laughs> and all of that. So I'm really bummed out. Do you, do gonna, you have a, I, a, 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 a vanish, uh, you know, a, a D12 that will just disappear? I, I mean, I'm, a, more, a I'm more of the Q of Big yeah. Shoe than the, than the James Bond of Big Shoe. Ah, that sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what you're what you're going to want, I mean, obviously everything that's in business intelligence revolves around databases. So you want to have a good coursework in in database theory. You want to have experience in at least one of the major databases, SQL Server or Oracle is probably a good place to start. Though you could do some stuff with MySQL too, though that's not really used as much in a business environment, but at least it's some database, database experience. Um, as far as programming languages, if you're not all in on BI, uh, you could go with Python because that, that gets used a lot for data analysis. Um, <laughs> oh, not you, clean. Yeah, if you are if you are all in on BI, you can learn R, which is really the the language that most uh, most of the data scientists use. Which is it's it's I've been learning it. It's not hard to learn, and it's pretty cool. They have libraries for pretty much any kind of fancy thing that you want to do. Um, I was able to do like a market basket analysis, which is like finding what things people tend to buy together, like in like an afternoon. It was pretty cool. Um, but if you know how to program, you should be able to pick that up. No sweat. And the, the one thing that you're really going to want is a statistics background. Like one of the things that we struggle with a lot is just not like I, I fell into BI. I didn't, I didn't go to school for business intelligence. I just kind of was the guy who was there when the person who was maintaining it before decided to leave. And it looked like I could probably pick things up. Um, so I don't have a statistics background, and that's really important to be able to do a lot of the next level stuff. Um, things like figuring out, like all the all the basically anything that scares the crap out of me that I talk about on this show requires statistics. <laughs> we'll just we'll put it that way. So if you have a good statistics background and you can learn like when to use different statistical models for what problems, that will that's almost more important than any of the other technical skills because the programming stuff 
is easy. The statistics background is the stuff that you you generally have to go to school for, and it takes a long time to learn and and to get your head around. So if you have that and some programming ability, you'll you'll be in really good shape. So I have two things to add to that, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> okay, a I don't think you can ethically suggest to someone that they learn Python because inheritance is so flaky and weird in oh. that language that it's just ooh, it just feels so grody. Yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not the best. But it's what it's a lang- it's a language that's used for some quick and dirty statistical stuff, and there are a lot of statistical libraries for it. You're not writing. You're generally not writing like full on like programs that are going to build applications. You're generally writing right. short scripts that are designed to do something and then return a result. So it's not that's as exactly bad. why we use it in Maya. Like uh, there's a <laughs> command line below, and you'll do it for rigging stuff and all of that. And my second question is: Does does Big Shoe need real you know James Bond people working? <laughs> Because I will, I will show up to a DS with like in a in a box ready to infiltrate. Like I've got cards one through eight. I've got my binoculars. I'm I'm ready to do this. Can I? Will you hire me? I would. Uh, I'll do it. I, I mean, you I think you'd them? have to play yeah. a sport. You see, what you'd have to do is you'd have to become a professional in sport so that I'll we could that. endorse you. And yeah, then you okay. could go and just do things on the slide since you're an important right. professional. You could do right. you could do whatever you want, and then you can yeah. you can go and, and infiltrate all these things on the side. So the endorsement is really yeah. a cover for the for, for the corporate it. espionage. All right, all right. Well, those bastards in the are going down. I'll just say that. So. Uh, you, you know, if only we had Puppy Voltron to save us, we wouldn't need to do any of that espionage. That's all I'm saying. All right, all right. All of that was not in a language I understood. Right. So later, um, if someone can tweet out a translation for me, um, <laughs> that would be awesome. I'm embarrassed because I did not know it was pronounced my sequel. I always read it as my SQL. So. It's both. It's well, both. That, that's like yeah. the gif gif thing, Micah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. I think either oh, one, one is. Those. Yeah. Oh, Lord. I rescind everything I've just said. No <laughs> tweets, please. I don't want to hear about SQL versus SQL, please. I, I think SQL is considered – that's probably what more programmers use, wouldn't you say, Steve? Yeah, I think so. I, I think – like, you should be listening to ATP if you want this kind of talk because this is this is, you know – <laughs> we're, we're down into like into like database program like you know you know we should ask Syracuse I bet he would know the definitive answer for that and then he would tell or us in glorious Syracuse detail. thinks cool. PHP is a good language so he doesn't he knows nothing I'm sorry <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> how does he feel about uh, Python though yeah uh Look, Python to me is that game you play on Nokia smartphones, uh, (laughs) Centipede, also called Python, and uh, you just hit the little two, six, eight, and oh, you mean the ripoff of Snake? Okay, yeah, yeah, I I call it Python. Uh, No, I kid. Uh, Any more questions for us today, or are we uh, signing out? Uh, It depends. Do we want one more, or do we? More. Okay. More. Okay. So our our friend of the show Slinger Tail is here to save the day. So Ooh. what he says is, what do you think of spooky Twitter names? And he says, if you answer this question, that would be so chainsaw. Ah, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I think that I I I spend a lot of time. I think there's a big difference in having two thousand Twitter followers and having like fifty thousand. Yeah. And, you know, for me, my Twitter is about messaging. So anything that interferes with that, I see as like an abdication of my public role. So 
I don't use them, or if I do use it, it's just for a little bit of amount of time to be like quirky and fit in, and I make sure it's a way that people can really tell it's me. So like, I don't make it, you know, Brianna woo because people may not get that joke. I'll make it Zombriana woo. So I think a lot about those issues because um, I think for most people, you know, the the month of October leaves everybody going, "Who's talking to me? I don't know who this person is. What's up? Uh, this is confusing." It's so, the worst when somebody retweets something too, and you have no idea who it is. Yeah, I'm not a fan, except for Glenn Fleischman because he defies explanation or physics or rules. So. <laughs> what is his right now? God, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I am a Vulcan at heart, and these things do not uh, amuse me. And so, no, I don't. <laughs> they do not. I, don't. I am not amused. <laughs> I am not amused. Uh, it, well, I guess if I was true Vulcan, it would not, I wouldn't feel amusement anyway. But, um, yeah, I just – I think my, my name is fine as it is. So I have in the past uh, changed my avatar, though, um, to do a pumpkin for – you know, during Halloween and I will do like a, a Santa hat at Christmas or, or the holiday time. Uh, for me, I celebrate Christmas and so I do a Santa hat. And uh, sometimes on Easter, I've been known to replace my face with an egg, but uh, just my face, not the whole profile. So you photo. should do that for Halloween because the eggs on Twitter are the scariest ones. They are the scariest, <laughs> but I keep my name name and my at handle uh, untouched for the same reasons. The people can know that it's actually me talking and not my bot. <laughs> I've never done any of that. I've never I don't think I've ever changed my name or I rarely even change my picture. Not because it's not cute. I just I don't know. I just never have. So I haven't thought about it at all. Like, oh. I just saw yeah. Simone's name is Skeleton de Ghost for, which That's is too really complicated. Funny. <laughs> it, Very it, cute, is, it is uh, yeah, that is a uh, uh, quite the change but <laughs> Brianna <woo! laughs> uh, it's a little that's, bit that's easier better. to uh, what about you Steve well I have I talked about this I was never allowed to celebrate Halloween growing up so I've got kind of a complicated relationship with Halloween and I in which to say I don't have one <laughs> so I I just don't do any of that stuff because I just I basically just put my head in the sand until October's done, and then I can get to Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday, because all you do is eat. Mine too. You and Halloween aren't talking? I tweeted out the thing from because Overwatch put out the, the Halloween stuff this week, and there's this great spray of Soldier 76 in like a, a sweater slumped down in a rocking chair with a with a uh, a bucket of halloween candy next to him to give out and i'm like that's me i'm in uh, i'm in overwatch that's absolutely me because that's what i do i just sit in the house and hand out candy and try not to glower at the kids too much and then wait for the wait for my kids to come home from trick-or-treating so I, I think you made a good decision steve i mean yeah. i celebrated halloween growing up and i'm in the thrall of lucifer clearly. yeah exactly <laughs> you, know, you are you, you're not in the thrall of lucifer so yeah well that yeah. That was the reason. It was like a pagan holiday and we were not to – that was – I was in a Jewish day school at the time and they were like, no, you shouldn't be celebrating Halloween. So we didn't. I, actually, my parents would let me dress up in a costume and hand out the candy, which was like – Oh, well, that's nice that they the, – That was ten times worse than like not doing it at all because it's like, oh. hey, why are you in costume and not out trick-or-treating oh. <laughs> from every kid who came to, to pick up the candy? Oh. So, Yeah. 
So uh, once I got to about eight or nine, I figured out that was a bum deal. I just sat downstairs and watched Double Dare while it was going on. Spooky. But yeah, but, uh, but right. I'm glad to be represented in Overwatch finally. So that that's a, that's a happy end to the story. And Puppy Voltron. Puppy Voltron. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you would like to get in touch to leave us questions about uh, chainsaw things like Twitter names or, uh, you know, serious topics, then here's how you're going to do that. You're going to call 508-418-3532. That's 508-418-3532. Or tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me. You can also send a direct message if you'd rather not have it public. And please, whether you leave us a voicemail, send us a tweet, or send us a direct message or email. Uh, let us know whether you choose to rename, rename, remain anonymous. Uh, you can review the show on iTunes. In fact, you better review the show on iTunes. Uh, and We haven't gotten one in a while. <laughs> yeah, it has been a while. I need to, uh, actually, I need to check that out and see if uh, there's any fun ones that have come up that uh, uh, Brie can lambast, because that's always a, a joy. Uh, if you want to go check out the show notes at relay.fm slash disruption or in your podcast player of choice. That's where you're going to find links to register to vote as well as uh, links to all the other stuff we talked about today. Thanks so much to Relay FM, our wonderful network. I am at Micah Sargent on Twitter and Steve, where can people find you? Well, you can find my car in Forza Horizon trying to drive Brie off the road and you can find <laughs> me on Twitter uh, at Wickgood. I might have to get Forza just so I can drive you both off the road. Bree, where can people find you? Oh. You can find me sneaking into the Adidas factory for Big Shoe, <laughs> where Steve is supplying me with gadgets. And you can also find me on the Twitter account Space Cat Gal. Huh. <laughs> Georgia, 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 Georgia. Where can people find you? Were you going to sing? I like I that idea. To, and then I realized I was talking too much. So Are you talking too much? You're not going to do it anymore? Okay. So you can find me on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. You can also, if you're dealing with anxiety, um, depression, any other issues, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. <laughs> oh, I know dear. what that was. That was the song from Street Fighter Reuse Stage. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. Love nice. it. Nice. I, you know what? We need to have a Georgia Dow uh, game show again sometime soon. That was, uh, that was Those are always enjoyable. But all that's left is for Steve <laughs> to it. tell all our friends that thing he must say each week. So, Steve, take us away. Go. Go listen to something else so that Georgia will stop playing music off of her phone. <laughs> go. Bye. <laughs> I'm still holding out for that Georgia Dow music streaming service where it just all sounds like it's coming from an iPhone speaker. <laughs> hey, it should sound better. This is now an iPhone 7. I've upgraded <laughs> for you guys, just for our listeners. Disrupticons, Again, it's for you. Air quotes, upgraded. Yeah. You upgraded. So so you so you you still have Renee's phone then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear. All true.
Is that why he thinks Siri works? Because he hasn't gotten an iPhone 7 to play with? Oh, are you kidding? Oh, you think I, Renee does not have an iPhone 7? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. No, he's, yeah. got, he's got six Apple Watches. He doesn't need an iPhone anymore. Uh, that's probably true. You could glue them all together and make one <laughs> massive phone. Well, no, I, I think it's like Transformers, and they is that the one where they all combine into one? No, wait, that, that's the, Voltron. Voltron. You're thinking okay, of Voltron. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Voltron. Yeah. And they, they all of his Apple Watches just combine together to create one iPhone. Uh, Renee's more like a Captain Planet than a Voltron, though. I think. Oh, Captain Planet! Yeah, I, that I poor kid Captain with Planet. heart as his power. Yeah, 